Hello, bookish people. Welcome to another episode of the E-Reads Podcast. I'm your host, Liz. Now, even though season two has wrapped, I had to bring you this bonus episode where we celebrate the pre-release of my debut novel, New Moon. Yay! And so, New Moon is book one in my series, Prophecy Trilogy. And in this episode, we do a deep dive into my creative process, some of the tools and things that have helped me in my writing journey. But also, we just celebrate and have a good time with some of my friends. And I cannot wait for y'all to listen in and be a part of this process. A big shout out to everyone who has followed the journey and the process thus far. And I cannot wait for you to get to hold a copy of New Moon for the release on July 17th. So if you haven't already picked up your copy, you can do so by checking out the episode show notes. And here is a deep dive into the process. All right, so um, for those who are listening who may not know, my name is Liz, and I am a, a newbie author. And I have Snowfall, which is, we'll say, uh, my novella, um, a little taste to the world that you are introduced in New Moon. It is currently free on um, anywhere that you buy books, Amazon, um, Barnes & Nobles, Kobo, Apple Books. So you can grab that there or from the website. Um, and then New Moon, which is the debut novel, um, is releasing on my birthday, July 17th. So that's kind of like my birthday present to myself. And New Moon is a story that follows our three main characters, Tabitha, Eli, and Talium. And it is a struggle of, um, we'll say destiny, following orders, and, and loyalty. So we start off by seeing the end of this war and Eli's defiance really spurs some chain of events that result in him having to embark on a mission to find the chosen one, a mission that no one has returned from before. And that causes some conflict with his family um, in regards to, you know, the sphere of you're, you're going to do this thing that no one has come back from. Why would you do this? Is there another way? And so this causes a rift there. So we have some family conflict in the novel. And then we also have some internal conflict, um, especially when we see the main character, Tabitha. So she really struggles between her loyalty to her brother, um, the family restaurant, wanting to do what's right by Eli, wanting to do what's right by herself. And she's kind of caught in the middle. And so we go through her journey of finding her unique strength, finding her voice and finding what she wants. But at the end, you know, is she going to take that leap? Is she not? We're kind of left to see, okay, what is going to happen? And so that's New Moon and the long and the short. And for those listening, everyone in this room has gotten to hear snippets and things like that have been a great support in this journey. Um, I don't think I could have done it without them. So this is also a win for everyone in the room. I'm done. So Liz, I have a question for you about New Moon. Minus the fantasy portions of it. Um, the book seems to be very inspired by real life, the family dynamic and all of that. What inspired you to write it? Um, it within real life events or experiences that influenced the story? Oh, man, that's a great question. Yeah, you know, it's fantasy, but I um, I was talking with someone else who's not into fantasy that I had um, read the book, and they were talking about how um, the little bit of fantasy that's there makes it not hard to read for those who are not into fantasy. So when I found this genre, the subgenre called magical realism, I really think that this falls into this. And for those listening who may not know, magical realism is where you have um, a little bit more than the extraordinary, right? Or the more than the ordinary. And so there's some fantasy elements, but it's really grounded in real life. Um, as far as real life events, I, I think looking back, I think there was definitely some things, maybe things that I had went through, things that I've saw people go through, but not intentionally. Um, I tend to be, lean more to being an intuitive writer, which just means I kind of just write what I see in my brain. I just kind of go where I feel like the characters go. I feel like I'm really telling their story. 
And so it just kind of happened. And then when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, there's some themes here and there's some different elements here around um, self-discovery and confidence and anxiety, um, trauma. And so that's kind of cool for me from the writer's point of view. So um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does very much so. Um, You have a snippet somewhere. I don't remember where it was but you have a snippet somewhere about, um, I think it was something about floating away on a water bubble or something like that. I love that part. <laughs> can, you, can you just tell us a little bit about the inspiration for that and, and, what, and what that's all about? Oh my goodness, you did your research, friend. I love it. <laughs> so um, this, the snippet that Anita is talking about is um, in chapter two, we see uh, two of our characters, Eli and Tabitha, their husband and wife, and they connect on the battlefield. And they're having this moment. And I love this scene because I really hope that it illustrates how connected they are. Like, and also the normalcy of, of war that they've grown accustomed to, because in spite of everything that's falling apart around them, they have this moment where they are just there. They're just present with each other. And Talia pauses. And so Talia is a water elemental, meaning she water is her strength. And so what she does is she steps away from the conversation to drown uh, these two approaching enemies that are going to attack um, her and her spouse on dry land. And so she pulls the water vapors from the air and creates this water bubble and it drowns them. And so I hope it was really visual. It seems like it really was. And I hope you really saw that, that scene. God, that was so good. <laughs> it was so good. I love that scene. Yes, it was very visual. Um, you can see that whole scene play out. I love the way you wrote that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That um, was very visual. You could see that completely play out like a movie right before your eyes. So yeah, I love that. You that was very well written. Um another thing that I loved was um the part about um Tabitha um running away. She does a lot of running. Um and she's and and, and it, something about um being a chosen one and running away from that. Can you talk about that and how um, what people can get from that. Yeah, absolutely. That makes me like so excited that, um, yeah, you get those themes and that you see that. So, yeah. So, you know, I think when we talk about heroes and, and things like that, we expect them to be strong. I think we expect them to be like the character Talia. I think if we said Talia's the chosen one, we see that we see her strength, we immediately get it. She's strong. She's independent. We're, Tabitha is the opposite. She is skittish. She runs from everything she's supposed to go towards. She struggles with self-doubt. And I believe you can have all of that and still be great, right? Like you can have all these <laughs> insecurities and still be powerful. And so I really um, wanted that to come through, that you can be strong um, and your strength can be soft. So I really wanted to have that come through. And so, um, yeah, she's, she's a unexpected hero, I'll say. Um, maybe an underdog, that might be a, a good word for it. Always root for the underdog. <laughs> so I, I wanna talk about Eli. You have created this fine black man, warrior, specimen where did he come from because and can i go there and get some <laughs> i love that and i actually i think i have to nod to you and gozai because i think i really was inspired by reigns and sheila in in book one of awakening they had such a bond and such a a um relationship that was so real um and I think there was a lot of those elements that I kind of gleaned from. Um, unfortunately, like questions about like what inspired where I have no idea. 
like name like, it just felt right like i'm just like oh like it just feels like this should be and over time of like really having these characters interact and and they just kind of grow into their own but yeah i think if i had to pull something it would definitely be from um rains from awakening oh you're welcome <laughs> Liz, um, I am wondering, I'm kind of going back to one of Anita's questions about the inspiration and what from real life, you were just talking about the sensitivity of the different characters. And that, of course, made me think about your um, other profession and how, you know, your sensitivity to people is a big you know, it, it, you can just see that sensitivity in the book. And I wonder um, if you could talk a little about that, how um, your therapy work and uh, consciousness feeds into your writing. My goodness, you guys are on fire with these questions. I'm usually on the other side of this. <laughs> so yeah, so for those listening, um, I'm a mental health professional. I won't go on to all of you know what I do, but um, I think being in that mental health space is helpful um, in the sense like I sometimes I notice like that level of like mindfulness and being present. I try and bring that to my scenes, like really bringing in um, how would they feel, how would they show that. Um, knowing that people who have mental health, and I think this is a theme through kind of whether my short stories, my the prompts that I try and bring in an element of mental health because mental health is real life, right? Real life people have mental health and it shows up in different ways. And sometimes it's more visual than not. Um, I think in the case of Tabitha, right? I think you really can see her anxiety, whether from uh, she's always fidgeting with her bracelet or biting her lip or, and, you know, I think you definitely can get a sense that she has some anxiety where um, Talia, right? She kind of masks a little bit. She has the strength that she uses to cover up her fear, cover up some of the things she's afraid of. She uses her strength as a way to protect herself, but she still has some things. Eli is struggling with the trauma of going through this war and getting rid of that sense of fear and, and battle. So I really like to bring in those elements of like just people struggling with things because I see that in my everyday life, whether it's with clients I deal with or whether it's with just people, family members, friends, like just it's, it's everywhere and there are people living real life. And I think our characters should embody real life people. So I try and, and do that and I hope that comes through. It does, clearly. It's great. What is it that you want your reader to take away from their experience when you, with your book when they've finished the last chapter and, and closed it? What do you want them to be feeling? Ooh, wow, another good one. Um, I think when they close the last page and they're just like, whew. I want them to feel like it was an exciting ride, that it was visual, that the characters were real, that that strength can show up in different ways, that they have strength, that they have something special in them, and that their journey doesn't always have to look perfect, right? I think sometimes we think of a person's trajectory as being linear. And I think sometimes this can happen in books where these characters just have this perfect arc. And like, that's not real life. We don't have these perfect arcs. We have some setbacks. We have some doubts. We have all these, this rockiness. So I want, I guess I want them to feel a little bit of like validation, you know, that, yeah, like it's okay. But I have a kind of a question, kind of throwing it back. To, to you and Gozai, because you write this inspirational fiction as well, and they, you really write things that have a meaning. Do you know what that meaning is before you start writing? Does it come to you at the end? Like, when do you know what you want the reader to get out of it? Well, I write 
I'm a pantser, which means, you know, my characters boss me around and they tell me what they want the story to be. And uh, I do some outlining and I think I have a theme and where I want it to go. But then when I get to the end of the book, it it turns out to be something else. So the outlining is helpful, but um, the the principles and ideas and core meanings all come from the story itself, which is a gift. I receive it. I don't construct it. First of all, I love that. It's a gift. I receive it. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. I'm taking that. (laughs) I have a fun question for you. Go for it. (laughs) If you could have any magical power from New Moon, which one would you choose and why? Oh, man. So good. So I am a water sign like Talia, so water would be cool. But Allura, who is one of the children characters, she uses her fire. Um, She's a fire elemental in such a cool way to tease her brother, to create things. So fire is really cool. Um, Earth elementals get this connection with the earth and I love the garden. I think I'm going to go, man, if you do wind, you can kind of like fly a little bit or create portals really easily. Um, You know what? It's summertime. I'm going to go with water because it'd be really nice. You can create this mist. It'd be really easy to garden and pulling a little bit of the water and being able to manipulate that. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with water. (laughs) You really thought that through. (laughs) These are important questions. (laughs) But I'm I'm kind of curious. If y'all had to choose an element, earth, water, fire, earth, water, fire, wind, air, you know, what would you choose? I'm I'm curious. I mean, you earified, you you always choosing some type of weapon. But I'm curious, what what would you choose? Well, since you had that scene, I like that scene with you drowning the people in the bubble. So I think I'm going to choose that because I like the scene. Um, That scene was cool. But maybe I would, instead of drowning them in in a bubble, I would boil them. That would be cool. Oh, so you would use, you would double element. You would use some uh, firepower and some water so that you could boil. Well, I would, I would have to use Mm -hmm. fire and water. I guess I would need to heat it up. Yeah. 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 So there's some people in the book, they have dual elements, you know, yeah. everyone has a different gift. So yeah, yeah. I, I want to cook. I'm going to cook the people and give them a pop-up timer, like a, a Thanksgiving turkey. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Not to change the subject, but um, <laughs> one of the joys of, of being in a writing group with you, Liz, is getting to hear you read out your scenes and and what's been said a, a lot of times is people say, I can see it. I can see it as a movie. So who would be your actors that would portray the, the main characters? I have thought about this, and I think I might do like a, a TikTok or a blog. I still don't know. I think I might ask AI to help me out. But if I, the person that kind of comes to mind um, for Tabitha is Kiki Palmer. And... I think she comes to mind because she has this youthfulness, this lightheartedness, this playfulness. Um, She's strong and vulnerable and like, she just really is versatile. And I definitely think that she would do the role of Tabitha really well. Um, I think she would be really fun. I have no idea. Oh, you know what kind of I'm thinking, I think, is it Zoe Salandau? She uh, she is in the Guardians of the Galaxy. She plays Gamora. Um, I think she would do a good Talia. Um, I think she has the the strength and the attitude and the sass. She pushes back a lot. Um, I think she would work. Oh my God, who would do Eli? I mean, selfishly, why not? Let's just throw Jason Momoa because he's fine and he's built well. Let's just throw him. He might be a couple shades too light, but, you know, let's throw him in the mix. 
I was thinking Zendaya since I, I just watched um, The Greatest Showman this weekend. I think she can be one of those characters. She can fit in there somewhere. Can I tell you, I was just listening to that soundtrack last night. No lie. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, I love it. But who you... would be um, uh, who would be the uh, uh, Aunt Mo? Oh, I can't remember her name. Oh, on, on my. my yeah. Oh man. Um. So for her, I definitely see. Um. It's Alfrey Woodward. I think I'm getting her last name wrong. She, I, she really inspired a lot of different um, elements of Oh My, specifically her character that she plays in C, um, S E E, um, uh, with uh, she plays Paris. I don't know if again necessarily if she has the the visual look that comes to mind, but she definitely has the spirit. She has this um old wisdom this way of moving this little bit of um crazy wit and and i think she could be pretty cool um i know i named a lot of like you know black or black identifying actors but i really see my cast of characters as diverse so right now these are the people that are coming to mind but i would really like to bring in some diversity with especially some of the other characters that we see like um Ida, who I hope, you know, she is, um, she stirs the pot. She is definitely a pot stirrer. She's definitely someone who likes to poke the bear. Um, I would definitely see, you know who I would love to play Ida. She's not an actor or anyone, but we know her, Meg. I, you know, if y'all remember Meg, who used to come to our writing group, I feel like Meg, if I could have someone read, I would have Meg do it. I think Meg would do a really good job of reading and embodying Ida. So I'm done. I agree. <laughs> oh, Judy, Judy, you thought of Alfred Woodward as well? Okay. Yeah. Good. As soon as you said that, I she popped into my head. I'm like, oh, she would be so cool. I love her. See? Totally visual. We can already see them. What's in your, your mind? I love that. That makes me happy. Liz, would you bless us with reading that wonderful passage about the drowning in the bubble? <laughs> I love that passage. So we can unpack that because that passage is awesome. Okay, only for you, Anita. Thank All right, you. so here we go. Again, this is from chapter two. Um, this is the first time we are meeting. Um, Eli and Talia, who are um, husband and wife. So here we go. Well done, my love, but watch your back, calls Talia, approaching her husband. Her fishtail braid flies as she launches her spear, stopping Eli's would-be attacker from charging his rear. My heart, he responds, reaching for her. Talia firmly places her hand on his chest. I do not want the blood of another on my lips, she muses. She removes her fingers and places them on her lips, then tenderly on his. For a moment, the crash of bodies and the sulfuric scent of battle mean nothing to the two lovers. Their exhaustion wanes, fueled by the touch of each other. Are you hurt? He asks, pushing her braid from her shoulder and exposing a fleshy gash on her bronze skin. No more hurt than you and nothing that requires urgency. Breaking his gaze, Talia scans the battlefield. We are pushing them back. Yes, but they are still, but they still do not retreat. Small victories, my love, she breathes. Stepping beyond him, Talia pulls the water from the air and traps two approaching warriors in a water bubble. She keeps them immersed until their knees buckle and their bodies grow still, drowning them on dry land. In scene. Love it. Love it. <laughs> that last slide is so powerful. I mean, the whole thing, but I just love that part. Getting some murder in there early. <laughs> Liz, I love your um storyline. I love how the relationship um between Eli and um, Talia. 
And I think it just shows, you know, even though they have their struggles, just like every other marriage, they still pour through and fight together, you know, to keep it to that bond together. And I love how you um, show their children, you know, um, how that, you know, as a family value. I really love that. And, you know, I always say this, this has to be a movie. But um, this is a great story, and I love the family um, value that you show in this. It showed you how you show each parent with um, the children how they interact with them. So it's a very good story, and I think this would be a great story to read as a family. So it'd be something that I hope you know the family can enjoy. Oh, that makes me really happy because. When I think of families and like families that feel real, I think of your stories. And we see this a lot in, you know, what your story, what happened, and especially with Big Mama being the matriarch and really steering the ship. And so it makes me really happy that my families feel real. Um, so I, I love that. And I love that, you know, you know, again, you, you as someone who is writing a marriage book and you know you do a lot of scenes with these great families you really do see that so yay did y'all notice how they were still talking sweet to each other while someone was attempting to kill them and while they were killing people <laughs> love that yes Yeah, that's just partly what I'm talking about. They still go strong for one another. Yeah. So what What's next for you, Liz? Where do you see is this? Uh, uh, where do you see this going? Nice. So um, this is a three part series. Um, it also I'll actually. Well, I think some of y'all know, but listeners, you don't know. So book one was actually going to be book two. So um, I I had kind of seen in my mind of starting with Portal, which um, needs some edits and refinement, but it's mostly done. Um, the cover for that is already done, and you can actually pre-order that on Amazon, um, which will be available next year, 2024. Um, but new moon was actually supposed to be book two so now it is book one portal is book two and i am seeing scenes for book three um and i think that will be it for these characters i think i don't think they're gonna maybe it, they might live on short stories beyond that or you know within the but i think definitely the three-part series um finishing up some of the things and connecting some of the dots that we're seeing in, in book one, as far as those family dynamics, Tabitha's confidence and, and things that she wants. Um, if I were to dream out loud, I'd love for it to be a movie. So if anyone's listening out there, like, let's make this a movie. Why not? I think that would be really cool. Um, but it, oh man, and listen, okay, here's the dream. So if we can make this a movie, right, that'd be great. If James Patterson can leave me a review, that would also be super dope. And let's see, we all get to go to the premiere and have that be like our writer's retreat. I think that would be like the dream arc right there. And have Idris there? I mean, I think he's married, but he could come. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't make him, you didn't choose him to be one of the characters. Who would you put him as? I'm curious. Eli. Yeah. Eli. Yeah, that's who I was thinking when you <laughs> yeah. were, first asked you. I'm surprised you didn't say him. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jason Pumal. You've been recast as Idris Elba. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Budget cuts. <laughs> no, I think you actually would probably have to pay more for Idris. Agreed. I don't, yeah. Yes. You don't need to tell Momoa that. We'll let him down easy. We'll let him down easy. We yeah. might need to break <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I think he would be a nice 
But he's too, yeah, him and, but he, I think he's probably too old for Kiki, though. However, you have, if mm-hmm. we go back to Luther and his, um, when he was kind of watching over um, that girl, I mean, he, he definitely has those protective elements, but I think that's giving more father figure than like yeah. sibling. Yeah. Someone that could be like a sibling, older sibling to Kiki Palmer. Yeah. So you got to put him in there somewhere in the next book. Put him in there. <laughs> we'll, we'll make a random part for him. Yeah. You can make him sexy zaddy in the next book. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the name, sexy zaddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> You touched on this a bit. Um, one sec. Could you talk about some of your author influences? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll start with James Patterson. Again, y'all hear me talk about him a lot. I think I glean a lot from his style of writing, um, whether it's those short chapters that make you feel like, ooh, just another one, just another one, just another one. Um, it really helps you get invested really quick. Um, I think how visual his writing is. Um, so like backstory. So I found James Patterson um, in my adult years of reading. And it was at a time where, you know, just having a lot on my mind. And I was like, hey, like, I want a story that I can get lost in. And so when you go to your local bookstore or your bookstore, asking the people that work there, they will help you find a book. And they had given me um, the Alex Cross series and they gave me the Stephanie Flum series by Janet Ivanovich. And I definitely glean from both of them as far as character development, how punchy and they're not overly describing a scene. Um, if, I, I cannot stand, and those in book club know, if we are describing like, oh, she went and sat by the tree, the tree hung low and the tree, like if you are telling me for lines and lines about like the scenery, my mind is, you've already lost me. I've already thought about a time when I was at the park and like, I'm lost. But with Janet Ivanovich or uh, James Patterson, you can't help but get lost in the scene because there's just enough. There's just enough action. And when you start to lull off, there's something else that pulls you back. And like just the the pacing of it, right? There's always this twist that keeps you growing and you're invested. And by the end of it, you're at the end of the novel. Um, and, and that really um, excites me. And I really hope um, that comes through with New Moon. Um, in the developmental edit, I was really pleased to see some of the elements that are similar to these two writers, such as the pacing, the plot, the character development. So um, I hope that punchiness, that quick pacing, the um, again, those vivid characters really come through. So Liz, looking back on um, your experience writing New Moon, is there anything that stands out as particularly memorable or meaningful during the writing process? Absolutely. And hey, um, Yvette, thanks for coming on. So yes, and I got to shout out you for this. So I, I wrote New Moon for NaNoWriMo which is National Novel Writing Month where you try and hit 50,000 words by the end of November. And you had given this article about intuitive writing. And I think that literally saved my writing career because I was like, well, like maybe this is a hobby. I just, I can't do this. I need to walk away. Like I just really wanted to give up. And when you had given me that article, it really helped me feel validated and how I tell stories and how I create stories. And that was really helpful and freeing for me. And so I really do, um, I really appreciate that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like, you know, and like listeners, I think the main thing, and like, I hope you also get this from the, the podcast and how I highlight different people, like find your process. Like if there's nothing you take away from the story, the the podcast, it's just really just find your process and like be weary of spaces that try and make you into a particular space or a particular style. 
you know, um, I'm always just very thankful for all of you. Even if something wasn't great, you would ask, you know, was your intention for this to be unclear? Was your intention to be, it was very driven to what is it that I wanted? And that really helped me walk away creating a story that I really am proud of, right? Even if no one else likes it, I am really proud of it. And so I think really be cautious of spaces where you feel like it is, tr they're trying to steer you into their direction, how they would tell the story, how they would do something, you know, really think about who are you, what is that you want to accomplish, and does this best do that? I'm done. I was going to ask you what advice you could you give to aspiring writers, but that was it. You gave it already. <laughs> That's a, that was perfect for your for your own writing. Where do you feel like your growing edge is now? Oh, wow, that's such a good one. Um, I think where I really am strong and I want to get even stronger is um, creating characters that feel real, that just feel like when you pick up that book, you are, are hanging with a friend. Like those, those characters that you just can't leave. Um, and I think my scenes are really vivid. I think that you can really see them playing out like a movie. And I think that's what I'm really strong in. I think I could be better at describing maybe some of the, the, the setting and the elements of the scene, like making it more, like drawing in some of the things that I, I see or making some of the expressions more, um, like sometimes I'll get stuck on like she smiled or uh, he breathed, right? Like getting stuck on some of those descriptors, but I really want to expand that. Um, I also would like to try and make my books a little longer. I tend to be, um, again, you know, the short stories, but um, this story is about 47,000 words. Right now, Portal is 50,000. I'd like to try and do a little bit of a longer story. Um, I think, you know, being able to get more of what I see in my head on the page, I would really like to do. So I think those are some of the areas I'd like to be stronger in, but also some areas I'm strong in. Liz, I just want to say that um, you sound like a writer. <laughs> uh, and I just hope you take that in the best way possible. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember the beginning of your journey and, you know, the question was, can I do this? And that's not the question anymore. The question is, is yes, I can do this. And this is how I do this. I mean, listen to you, you're, you're talking about your style and how, you know, what you can do better and what you're doing great at. I mean, you you know, you have gotten a lot of insight into your into your own style. Um, I'm just super proud of you. And um, yeah, really, really. Uh, sorry for jumping on so late, but you know what's going on over here. Um, but I did want to jump on and just say that I'm very, very proud of you. I do have a question though. So you talked about, uh, you know, being careful of being in spaces where, you know, th they might somehow, um, encourage you to to do something really that's not your style during the developmental edit which to be honest i have never had i haven't had that yet i've pretty much just written stories and had some copy editing but that's it so during the developmental edit um if if you have done that with anybody else how how do you also keep your story yours even though you're working with some to make it better, to develop it. But at the same time, you know, you want to make it yours. First, thank you for for that. That makes me really smile and make me really happy. And I'm not going to get all tearful because it's too early in the morning. Um, but I really do appreciate that. And I really do appreciate um, how far you all have helped me come. I remember we just kind of were all meeting and just, you know, many of us, oh, I'm not a writer. I can't write a book. I remember first NaNoWriMo, we're all like, we can't write 50,000 words. We can't even write five. And like many of us are just cranking out stories like crazy. So 
um, I do appreciate that reflection. Um, now, also for the other part about um, critique in, in development, and I think that is important. So the first thing I'll talk about is when I had my first edit for um, Portal, which was, again, what I thought was going to be book one. And I went through the editing process, and that was my first time, and it didn't feel great. Um, and I think for me, looking back, some of the things that didn't feel great were um, this isn't going to work. Change this. This is wrong. And I really like context. Um, I need to know why. Like, why is this? Is it like a personal thing? Is it, you know, you know, so it just, it didn't, I felt like sometimes when it, a lot of my words were rewritten. And when I look back, I'm like, that's not what I wanted to say. This really took out this there. And so that just overall didn't feel great for me. Um, I think some of the things that were really good in that process where I learned how some sentences, some scenes can be more visual, how it can be more clear. But for me, what I didn't like is rewriting huge chunks to the point where I felt like I wouldn't talk like this, I wouldn't write like that. And I think if you were getting feedback or looking at something and you're just like, I wouldn't say it like that, that's not a good space to be in. Now on the flip side, I had a developmental edit for um, New Moon and I would definitely do that again. And I think it was really helpful. Um, I think there were questions on there that I wanted answered that I didn't know. So like one of the questions was, were there parts you would skim? That's a big thing. I wanna know, are, are there parts you're gonna skim? Cause if so, I'm gonna take it out or I'm gonna make it stronger. Um, talking about the character development, like feeling like Talia and Eli's relationship was really strong. Um, in the developmental edit, I was really transparent. I'm like, if you don't tell me what I'm doing good, I'm gonna assume everything is wrong. <laughs> I'm a catastrophizer, I'm an overthinker. If you do not tell me what is right, I'm going to assume everything is wrong. So I think it was really helpful because I had a mix in the developmental edit of things that I was doing well. So I tried to do more of that and things that I could be stronger at. And that really helped me as well as resources. Um, the other thing that I will add is, for those listening, intuitive editing by, um, I forget her first name, but I think her last name is Yates Martin. That was really helpful. I was very neurotic during the revision process before I even sent this out for developmental editing or copy editing, mostly because of the finances. I like just could not pay to have all those edits. So I tried to get it as clean as possible. And that was helpful because in intuitive editing, there are certain questions that she had and I wrote those down and I asked myself, okay, are there things that are unclear? What could be stronger? She goes and how to do a micro and a macro edit. So if anyone's like, okay, how do I do a self-edit? Definitely check out intuitive editing. That was so essential. And I think really helped um, in the finished product because I noticed as I went back to reread, there were either minor things I wanted to change or no things I wanted to change. I'm done. And I think we read that in book club, if y'all remember. So, yes, very good book. My question to you would be uh your book is coming out as your birthday present to yourself how are you going to celebrate it because this is a big deal oh that's my achilles heel uh i don't really know how to celebrate myself if i'm being completely transparent and vulnerable i struggle with that i struggle i struggle i struggle it was so hard for me to ask to do this and to take up a whole friday um yeah um man i don't exactly have an answer to that um just it being out felt like a celebration but i probably should do something like i don't know sit at the beach and just like put my feet in the water and like have some clams and like a lobster roll like that would feel really great <laughs> for me. Um, but I don't know, that's something I wanna get better with overall is celebrating myself because that's just, that helps you have a sustainable, whether it's author journey or just journey in general. So I don't know, maybe when we're back for book two, I'll have a better answer. Okay, wait, 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 question. How do some of you celebrate? That would be really helpful. How do you, you know, it goes out, you're what, 
book six, you're working on book seven in your author career. Like, how do you celebrate? Um, take myself out to dinner, watch something that I really love. I like to celebrate by doing a, like a, a live event on the book. That kind of makes it real to me and is a lot more, it's tiring, but also super fun and social and celebratory. Those are some of the ways. I should add ice cream to the mix somehow, I think. I could definitely get with the ice cream. Now, Yvette, you have a prayer journal, you have a Spanish prayer journal, you have the audio book. Like, how do you celebrate these things? You do all these speaking engagements. Like, how do you celebrate? And, and Danny, I know you're hanging out in the chat. How do you celebrate? Because you're doing book four of your paranormal romance. Uh, how do y'all celebrate? I think that's a good place to end for uh, for today. I mean, I'm the kind of person that, I mean, I love to be around people and have parties and stuff, but I can't really say that I do a celebration for myself. I mean, everything I do is not to celebrate myself, but to mark as a book. So if I do do a live or whatever, you know, I need, I need to think more about celebrating myself. I mean, yeah, I mean, I need to do that. I don't think I do. Um, when I'm finished some, with something, I'm happy. I always think it could be better. What, you know, what could I do different next time? Um, give glory to God and, you know, that's it. But I, I probably need to do more of that kind of self-celebration because, you know, why not? Danny says, I read a fiction book of my choice with yellow cake and chocolate frosting. Yes, that's oddly specific. Oh my goodness, cake, ice cream, yes, anything food related. Um, but also, I think maybe we, Anita, next time we do like a self-care workshop, we need to cover celebration. Yes, that would be awesome. Yep, let's do that. And Danny, that is my particular favorite cake. <laughs> Y'all, anything before I say last words and, and, and end? Just a big congratulations to you. Woo, woo. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to encourage anyone who has not read it, not heard it, um, to, to really do yourself a favor and, again, get this book and, uh, and just look forward and also snowfall. Um, and all future works from, from Liz. So congratulations, Liz. It's fantastic. And for those who are listening to the replay on Clubhouse, I just dropped the link, um, in the chat. So it's there. I just want to say y'all make my heart smile. I appreciate and love each and every one of you. Thank you for, for helping me to be more comfortable in talking about the moon in and saying that I'm an author. I know I struggled with that for a long time of just saying that. And so I just appreciate each and every one of you. And, oh, can I read one last thing? I want to read the dedication, which is a shout out to all of you. Yes, go ahead. So, Please. Okay, it says, to my family, both by blood and by heart, who have shaped and supported me throughout my life, and to the ones who have become a part of my journey over time. This book is dedicated to the bonds we have formed, the mem memories we have shared, and the love that binds us all together. And so that's for all of you and those who um, have supported and listened to the podcast, friends, family, everyone who has been a part of this journey. This is for you. So thank you. And I am complete. Thank you, Liz. You are awesome. The book is awesome. Go out and buy it now. Yes, agreed. Thank you so much, Liz. We love you. Yes, Liz, we love you. And everyone, please go out and buy this book and read it with your family. You will truly enjoy it. 
Liz, did you mention where you can get it? The book? Uh, you can get it on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble. On the website, it is available for pre-order. And uh, I have to run. So I love you all. Thank you so very much. And have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.